all of his goodness to us. Good to see all of you back again this morning. I'm saying that kind of tongue-in-cheek, you understand. I'm the one that's been gone. Uh, but uh, I appreciate those that filled out, uh, filled in for us while we were gone. I had very important business to tend to. There are new, uh, now two granddaughters to be taken care of up in Missouri. So don't be surprised if I'm back and forth from, to Missouri a lot more often these days. Actually, we're not planning on doing that a whole lot more, but understand uh, we had a hard time getting back. In fact, uh, I told somebody this morning wild horses couldn't drag Ellis away. Uh, she is still up there watching over grandbabies. I think next week I'm going to have to employ a John Deere crap tractor or something and drag her back kicking and screaming. Uh, but she is expected to be back this week. I do appreciate all of those that filled in. appreciate our missionary guest, Brother Will Rogers, uh, that spoke for us last Sunday morning. Longtime friend of mine, faithful servant, man of God. And I appreciate the message that he brought to you folk uh, in our absence. Also appreciate Brother Tommy Frankovich filling in on Sunday evening and presentation and teaching, uh, preaching the Word of God regarding the Lord's table, the Lord's uh, Supper. And that was good. Uh, looking forward to listening to that recording. Uh, and, uh, but I know where he's coming from on that, and so I appreciate him, appreciate Jacob and uh, Brother Nate filling in for us on the Wednesday evening services. But it's good to be back in the pulpit. This morning. Now, those of you that know me well understand that when I haven't preached for a week or two, you may as well just buckle your seatbelts and hang on because we're going. No, I'm going to try to be good this morning. All right, I'm going to try not to unload it all all at once. Allergies are about to choke me to death. Uh, some of you have been there before, and so hopefully, uh, for your sake, my voice will give out uh, before we get too far into the message this morning. Right? Now, seriously, though, it's always good to approach the Word of God. God's Word is true. God's Word is our food our spiritual food wherewith we receive sustenance and strength to face the battles every week and every day. And so I invite you to open your Bibles, if you would please, to the 8th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. While you're turning there, I would like to invite all of you who are our guests this morning, I'm looking out over the congregation, seeing some faces that I don't know or don't know well, and so I'm asking you, if you would please, if you've not already stopped by our our welcome center, that you would do that. Before you leave here this morning, we've got a gift that we'd like to give you, and all we ask is just a record of your visit. And so if you would please do us the big favor, stopping by and letting us know who you are and let us give you our gift and our thank you for coming and being a part of our Memorial Day service this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 8, I'm going to ask you if you would please to stand with me in reverence to the Word of God once you've found that place. Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse number 6, the Bible says this, Therefore thou, art, thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art filled, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Let's go to the Lord again this morning in prayer. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here to your house. We thank you for 
the effectiveness of your word. And I pray right now, even as we begin, that you would forgive us of all sin and Lord, all things that would uh, hinder or stand between your word and the hearts and lives of your people. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move freely in our midst. And Lord, that you would, you would speak to our hearts, that you would draw us to yourself, that you would convince us of the truth that is found, found contained herein, and that you would allow us to have the wisdom that we need to apply it to our daily lives in order to serve you more effectively and more faithfully. Lord, I want to pray for that one who may be here this morning that doesn't yet know you as Savior. I pray that he or she may commit their lives to you, recognize that salvation comes only from the Lord and only in the blood of Jesus Christ, and I pray that they would trust you today. Lord, once again, as your vessel, I want to ask for your fullness this morning. I ask that uh, there will not be anything in me that would distract or hinder, and I want to pray the same for all of those that hear, that you would draw us to yourself and that you prepare us for the week ahead. We praise you for all these things in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Thank you, folks. You may be seated. It's difficult to say Happy Memorial Day. The very nature of the day uh, actually precludes it being happy in the sense of being uh, extremely emotional, uh, you know, exciting time. It's a time when we remember those that have passed. Specifically, it's a day this weekend and tomorrow, actually in particular, has been set aside as a a day to remember those who have made the ultimate sacrifice in giving their lives on the battlefield to purchase the freedoms that we've enjoyed here in our land of freedom. We obviously want to honor their memory. We want to express our deepest gratitude for what our freedom cost them. I believe that one of the greatest dangers to liberty is the tendency of people to forget. At least on a practical level, level, uh, liberty's great cost. And in forgetting uh, to sell that liberty cheaply, uh, to give it away or waste it through irresponsibility and excess so that we are again enslaved. And so today we intentionally remind ourselves to thank God for the heroism of those men and women, most of them unknown to us personally, who gave all that we might live free. That's the purpose of the day. It's to remember the sacrifice of those that have died. While Memorial Day is not a so-called religious holiday, it does nonetheless remind us of the goodness of our God and of the grace of Jesus Christ who has truly set us free by his shed blood. In remembering battlefield heroes and departed loved ones, let us above all else remember our God. There are specific admonitions in Scripture for God's people to beware, lest any forget God and the wonderful works that he has done among them. In the New Testament, we're frequently reminded of God's grace and mercy. Among God's final instructions to the churches of Asia and through them to us, we're strong calls to remembrance. The title for the message today is Memorials of the Heart or in the heart, from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 6 to 14. Revelation chapter 2, verse 5 says this, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. The words of admonition, the words of exhortation, if you will, to this church was to remember from where they had fallen. Again, we see in Romans, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 3, Remember therefore, therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. 
I believe that these are solemn admonitions. They're solemn warnings to the people of God that we should pay heed, that we should remember uh, things of our past that have brought us to where we are today, and it's specifically our relationship with God himself. Uh, repeatedly in the Old Testament, when God was working in a specific nation of people whom he had chosen to be his people, we find admonitions to remember, at least not to forget. The passage that we've read this morning deals with just that issue. God knows the tendency of people, and so he warned them. He warned them that they forget not their God, and they forget not his word, and they forget not his mighty works. God knew that people tend to forget their dependence upon him when they begin to prosper. God was bringing Israel into good land. He would bless them there so that they prospered. The warning was, and still is, by the way, in prosperity and blessing, do not forget God. May I remind you that more people forget God in times of prosperity than they do in times of trial and of tribulation. I want to take you this morning to a few passages of Scripture where we're specifically commanded to remember and not to forget. These concepts are not new. Uh, there's not a whole lot new in the Bible. You ever notice, uh, this was kind of brought to my attention all the, over the course of the time that we were gone, but did you ever notice that a singer can sing the same song a number of times in the service and everybody enjoys it every time? But if a preacher preaches anything remotely similar to anything he's preached before, somebody in the vestibule after the service is going to, write, going to bring their Bible up to me and they're going to show, show me this particular passage and say, Preacher, you preached from this passage back in 1963. And I've got it written down here in my Bible right now. <laughs> now, obviously, I wasn't here in 1963. But I just wanted to warn you ahead of time. I've preached from this passage before. But we haven't preached exactly the message that we're going to bring to you this morning. And I trust it's something that God will use to be a blessing to your heart. The concepts are not new then. But the whole idea here is to erect in an internal sense, that is, in our heart, memorials to God, to his word, to his mighty works, and to our own past victories and defeats. As Peter said in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. I want to remind you, as God has reminded me, that there are principles in the Word of God which we dare not forget. And specifically applying it to our place as a nation, we, meet, we must remember these things lest we fall into the same traps of other nations that have gone before us. Look, if you would, please, to verse number 18 as we get started this morning. And I want to talk to you for a minute about a memorial or a heart memorial unto God himself. Verse 18 of our text in Deuteronomy chapter 8 says this, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that whom he establishes covenant which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. The first phrase of that particular verse says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. Now, what, a, what an odd thing for God to say. As we think about it, we remember the greatness of God. We remember how that God delivered his people Israel out of the Egyptian captivity, how that God raised them up literally from nothing and made a great nation of them, that he began to bless them and prosper them. He worked many miracles on, behalf, on their behalf while they wandered there in the wilderness. And then God brought them miraculously into the land, which he gave them for possession. All of the things that God had seen and done amongst them, they had seen, they had told uh, talked about them to their children. And it seems odd to me that God would say, oh, by the way, as you come into the land, you're, go you're going to come into a, a good land. You're coming into a prosperous land. You're coming into a place where my blessings are going to be poured out on you. I want to remind you when you get there, don't forget me. 
Why do you think that God felt it important or found it important to remind his people of that? Because God knows people. God knows how we are, the fallen seed of Adam, if you will. We've fallen into the trap of rebellion against God, and so God reminds us to remember him. Israel was repeatedly commanded in this and other passages not to forget God. Actually, if you look a few verses earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 11, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Over and over again throughout the Old Testament, God says, Hey, remember me? I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. I am the God who's delivered you from the land of Egypt. I am the God who's established you as a nation. I am a God who has chosen to place his name upon you and give you the blessings of my inspired, revealed word. Ultimately, to become the nation through, him he would, uh, through whom he would send the ultimate revelation of himself, that being Jesus Christ our Lord. God incarnate, God become man, that he might die in our place on the cross of Calvary as our only uh, sufficient Savior. But in spite of the warning, Israel did forget God. He knew that they would, and that's why he warned them ahead of time. But in spite of the warning, they forgot God not once, but over and over and over again. Does that sound familiar? It ought not to, but sadly it does. Now, the Bible says in Psalm 106 and verse 13, they soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel. Later on in the same chapter, they forget God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt. Over and over again throughout the Psalms and actually through the prophets, God says, hey, you've forgotten me. I warned you and you forgot me anyway. Ironically, it was specifically brought about by God's blessings which led to prosperity as God prospered them, as God supplied their needs, as he gave them an abundance and indeed an overabundance of all of the things that they needed to sustain life and and, and pleasure even within their lives, we find that at those times the people began to forsake God and turn away from him. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 32, For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Even the divine-inspired writer of Proverbs feared that this would happen to him. In Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Let me share with you here, if I may, a little-known fact. Most of you are aware of the fact that the book of Proverbs was written predominantly by the great King Solomon. He was, because of God's special blessing upon him, literally the wisest man that ever ruled in the land of Egypt. God gave him a special measure of wisdom. And yet, in spite of all of that, Solomon, who here is quoted as saying, Lest I be full and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? We find Solomon later on in his life did exactly that. He turned away from God. He began to follow the gods of his wives, his many wives. By the way, that's a different message. We'll bring it to you at another time. But he began to follow in the pagan, in the ways of of the heathen, and he fell away from God and fell into spiritual adultery and idolatry. All of this is due to man's rebellious and sinful nature. It's It's very important for us to realize that our departure from God is always our fault and not God's fault, right? It's not God who has moved. It is we who have drawn away from him. 
due to our rebellious nature, our sinful nature, the people of Israel in the Old Testament turned away from God. And the same is true in the New Testament. As we look into the prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 10 through 15, the prophet is being used of God to rebuke this very thing. In verse 10 he said, I clothe thee also with broidered work, and I shod thee with badger skin, and I girded thee about with fine linen, and I covered thee with silk. God is in essence saying to the people of Israel, I've given you everything that you could wish for. I've given you a life, if you will, of luxury. I deck thee also with ornaments, he says in verse 11, and I put bracelets upon thy hands and a chain on thy neck and I put a jewel on thy forehead and earrings in thine ears and a beautiful crown upon thine head thus whilst thou decked with gold and silver and thy raiment was of fine linen and silk and broidered work thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil and thou wast exceeding beautiful and thou didst prosper into a kingdom and thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty for it was perfect through my comeliness which I had put upon thee saith the Lord God but thou didst trust in thine own beauty, and playest the harlot because of thy renown, and pourest out thy fornications on every one that passed by. His it was. In essence, God says, you've taken everything that I've given you, and you've used it in an adulterous fashion. You've used it in idolatry. You've fallen after the other gods of the other nations that are surrounding you. Idolatry is also known as spiritual adultery. And it's always compounded when the blessings of God are wasted in service to another God. You understand, folks, that everything that we have is given to us by God. God supplies all of our needs. The blessings, on a, even on a spiritual level, that are given to us on a day-to-day basis come directly from God. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, the Bible says in the book of James, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. It all comes from Him. And yet, in spite of that, so many of us turn away from God. We fall into this crime, this sin, if you will, of spiritual adultery. Second Kings chapter 17, verse 38, the Bible says, In the covenant that I have made with you, you shall not forget, neither shall you fear other gods. But look at the book of Hosea, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, Therefore she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof and my wine in the season thereof and will recover my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness. God, in essence, is saying, look, you've turned away from me, talking to his people Israel. I've given you all these blessings. I've given you all this prosperity. I've given you, indeed, wealth and abundance. And you've used those things in the service to false gods. Because of that, I'm going to come and take those things back. After all, they are mine. Now, the point that I'm trying to make, folks, is that this concept of forgetting God is not new to the New Testament. This is something that happened in the Old Testament. But there's an application for us today. Can I remind you that human nature has really not changed much in the time that we've been here on this earth? Ever since the fall of Adam, our nature has been much the same, and our rebelliousness against God is much unchanged. It's a blessing that we've experienced, and I'm speaking particularly now to those folks who are from here, those folks who have had the honor, the privilege of growing up in the nation that we call our home. I want to remind you that America, while she was young and weak and poor, realized her dependence on God. It doesn't take a whole lot to go back and investigate even the writings and the the speeches of our founding fathers and realize, as they realize, that we're here because God has put us here. 
And God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And God has given us abundance beyond those things. But it's all due to his grace and because of our trust in him. After years of prosperity, however, due to nothing else than God's blessing, the prosperity that we have is because God has blessed us. He's provided for us. But in spite of that, we intentionally turn further and further away from God. Folks, listen. Uh, you, you who have known me lo- very long at all know that one of my great, the bur- great burdens on my heart is the fact that our nation, the nation that I once knew as a nation that loved God, has turned away from God and is doing so more and more on a daily basis. Even the nominal vestiges of honor to God are being systematically stripped away by laws, by the courts, by the actions of God's own people sometimes. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Atheism, or at least secular humanism, have become the official religion, the state-sponsored religion of our nation, which, by the way, is contrary to the founding documents of our country, but that's a different sermon as well. I want you to understand that we serve the God of heaven, a succession of self-centered, pleasure-driven, God-forsaking generations has frittered away the honor, the nobility, the very essence of the liberty that God has given to us so that only the vestiges remain. We still have freedom to gather. We still have freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our conscience. But they're trying to limit that more and more on a daily basis. What am I telling you, people? I'm telling you that it's because in many instances, or in most instances, because we've forgotten God. We've forgotten our utter dependence upon him. And we, as Israel of old, have turned away from him to follow after other gods. And in those cases, God is under no obligation to continue to bless and prosper this nation. Now, on an individual and personal level, Christianity and personal devotion have become more about the saint than about the Savior. What am I talking about? I'm I'm talking about a consumer-driven Christianity. What do I mean by that? It means that many today who profess the name of Christ make spiritual decisions based on personal desires, that make spiritual decisions based on felt needs, on entertainment value, rather than true worship, obedience, sacrifice, and service to the Savior. And we wonder where the blessing of God is. It's because we've chosen to serve ourselves rather than God. God has become somewhat small, a very small compartment, if you will, in our lives, rather than the central focus of our entire being. Can I remind you that God has commanded his people to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Every bit of our being is to be focused on living for him and serving for him, or serving him. The end of the the final purpose of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And yet we seem to be driven so many times, and I'm going to say we uh, in a very generic sense. I understand that some of you, many of you perhaps, might pray that most of you, have actually uh, decided to make God your God and to live for him above all else. And all the other compartments of your life are just working toward that end. But you have to be as well uh, aware as well as I am that To most of those who profess the name of Christ today, God is just a a Sunday morning thing. It's something that we do uh, to kind of assuage our own consciences 
rather than something that we do out of a heart of dedication to the Lord. And so because of that, I believe or submit to you this morning that we need to erect in our hearts a memorial under the person of God. Remember by whose name we are called. But I must move on. Second memorial in the heart that I believe that Scripture teaches us here in this passage and others is a heart memorial unto the Word of God. I realize that this is tied directly to the one previous, but I also understand that it's very important that we make a distinction. When we're talking about God, we're also talking about the power of His Word as it works in our hearts and lives. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 11 from our text this morning says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping His commandments, His judgments, and His statutes, which I command thee this day. Those of you that have studied much the the book of the Psalms, particularly the 119th Psalm, understand that commandments and judgments and statutes are all words that refer back to the Word of God. Over and over again throughout the 119th Psalm, we have the emphasis by the psalmist on the Word of God and what it does in our lives. Sometimes he calls them commandments. Sometimes he calls them statutes. Sometimes he just calls it thy word. But God's Word ministers and works in our hearts unless we forget it. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Psalm 119, verse 16 says this. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Verse 83, for I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. Verse 109, my soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. Verse 141, I am small and despised, yet do not I forget thy precepts. Verse 153, uh, consider mine affliction, deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. Verse 176, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Over and over again, the psalmist reminded God to remind him to love his word. To remember his word. To grow from his word and to thrive from it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, the, uh, the writer of the Proverbs said, My son, forget not my law but let thine heart keep my commandments. Over and over again throughout the Bible, we're instructed to hide God's word in our hearts. You can quote probably verse 11 of Psalm 119. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Can I challenge you folks this morning to, do, uh, to begin to exercise the spiritual discipline of Scripture memory? Memorizing the word of God, hiding it in your heart. Now, we used to do that when we were kids, remember? I dare say many of you still do it. My prayer is that many of you do it on a daily basis. We must hide the word of God in our hearts so that we can be protected from sin against God. We're commanded to meditate on the word of God. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. We're instructed not to be forgetful hearers, but to be doers of the word of God. James chapter 1 and verse 22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I'm not going to go through the process this morning of breaking down the applications here as we did in the former point, talking about how it applies to our nation. I trust that you you can discern those things on your own. The Holy Spirit will lead you to understand them. But I will say this. One of the reasons that our nation is in trouble is because we've forsaken the principles of God's word. We think that we can have morality without godliness. And it simply is not true. 
It's based on the Word of God and the power of the Spirit of God working within His people. But again, I say that is another sermon. Our point here this morning is that we as God's people must continue to erect the memorial, the heart memorial, to the Word of God in our lives. Restore it to its place of importance. It's an amazing thing to me that even in most churches today, the declaration of the Word of God has been minimized to something that's almost an afterthought in the service. In other words, the service doesn't revolve around the preaching of the Word. The service revolves around uh, the singing or the, the who knows what all else goes on, right? Now, I'm not trying to be critical, folks, uh, and understand my heart. What I'm saying is that we need to emphasize the Word of God. It's the Word of God that works in our hearts to change who we are and how we think. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And when we begin to turn away from the Word of God, when we forget God's Word, then we begin to fall into the traps of tyranny and slavery. James chapter 1 and verse 25, But whoso looketh in the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So I challenge you this morning to erect a a memorial in your heart to the Word of God. You erect a memorial to God Himself. You erect a memorial to the Word of God. And then thirdly, I want to challenge you to erect a memorial in your heart to God's mighty works. Every one of you can name some things that God has done personally in your life, or I trust that you can. If we begin to name the, the mighty workings of God. Now listen, not all of us have seen the pillar of fire in the wilderness. Not all of us have seen the parting of the Red Sea. Not all of us have seen Jesus walking on the waters of the Sea of Galilee. We may not have seen those kinds of mighty sign works in our midst, but I have to challenge you this morning that every one of us has seen the mighty hand of God at work in our life, if we're looking for it at all. You don't have to look far to see that God manipulates and God directs the circumstances of life to perform or to do those things that are pleasing to himself and for our edification and for our good. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 9 says this, Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them to thy sons and thy sons' sons. Can I stop preaching for just a moment and share with you one of the burdens of my heart. It breaks my heart these days that we've got children, young people, sons and daughters of Christian families that couldn't begin to tell you who David was or what Joshua was known for or how Moses led the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt much less to begin to tell you who a man named Hezekiah is. And I say to you this morning, that's a concern. When our children don't know God's mighty works, when they don't recognize that that God that worked mightily in the Old Testament is the same God whom we serve today. Now, he may manifest himself in a slightly different fashion because we have the full revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And we walk by faith, not by sight. But God's not any less powerful than he ever was. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9 says this, or we read this, Take heed to thyself, keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which your eyes have seen. 
Psalm 78 and verse 7 says that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Chapter 77 of the Psalms, verses 10 through 12, the Bible says, And I said, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also on all thy work and talk of all thy doings. And then in Psalm 103 and verse 2, Bless the Lord of my soul and forget not all his benefits. Psalm 105 and verse 5, remember his marvelous works that he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Psalm 107 and verse 8, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. We could go on and on. Why does God tell us about the mighty things that he's done in his word? So that we might recognize the power of our God. By these we recognize that God is able Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power are you listening the power that worketh in us him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think he says now that power works in us our God is able Folks, can I remind you that there's nothing that you face on a day-to-day basis. There's nothing that you face in your work-a-day life. There's nothing that you face in your schools, young people. There's nothing that you face as you go forth to the battle on a daily basis that God has not faced before. And as he's delivered people, his people in the past, he will continue to deliver his people today. As we read these words, it reminds us that we're here because he brought us here. That is, we are here by His grace and nothing else. It's by the grace and the power of God that we have what we have and we are who we are. Psalm 100, verse 3 says, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 9, But we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. In remembering God's mighty works, it behooves us to remember those through whom he has worked. I must remind you again here at the conclusion of our sermon that people have given their lives for the liberties that we enjoy. There are those who by their own testimony founded our nation on the fear of God and the principles of his word. Go back and read it. Research it. Don't take the modern's word for it. Look and see what they said. And you'll find that almost without exception, every one of them recognized a dependence upon God. Those who fought and died in the ensuing years to maintain those very principles within the fabric of our culture and society. In spite of protests to the contrary. Those who attempt to change our national identity and erode the foundational principles of our heritage are intent on enslaving us by making us forget. Enslaving us to our own passions, perhaps. Enslaving us to our own sinful nature. Enslaving us to our own desires for things above and beyond on a a material level. Never understanding that satisfaction comes not from having more, but from being content 
with that which God has supplied. We must remember fallen heroes who perceive something beyond affluence or deeper even than national pride for which to fight and die. My challenge this morning to you is remember, lest we sell out our heritage and go the ways from which they died to keep us free. Don't go back down that road. We must remember those who have instructed us in the word. Those who have given us our spiritual heritage and those who have taught us to love God with all of our hearts. I'm not going to preach this last one this morning. I just want to give it to you so you can meditate on it through the course of the week. In erecting memorials to the heart, leave a place there for the memorial against past rebellions. One of the great things about the grace of God is that we can learn from the road that we've been down. We don't have to fall into the same traps over and over again. The warning in Deuteronomy chapter 9 was, Remember and forget not how thou provokest the Lord thy God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day they that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt until thou come to this place, you've been rebellious against the Lord. Remember that not all memorials are positive. Some of us remind us of things to avoid. This particular memorial is not so much about the specific sin or failure as we know that those are fully gone. They're washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you don't know that freedom yet, I would invite you in just a few moments to come and let us introduce you to a Savior who can free you from the enslaving power of sin. But what we're talking about here are the tendencies toward failings, the processes by which the falls take place. And God says, erect a memorial lest you go down the same road twice. Many passages of Scripture that I can take you to. But the challenge is this. People, especially believers, don't fall into sin. They get there intentionally by decided steps because they've forgotten where that road goes. And so the forget not, this particular forget not memorial indicates that we're to put a marker in the way. A marker that says danger, do not enter, lest we turn in there and be destroyed. Have you erected heart memorials in your own life? Are there patterns that you've established or the traditions that you've observed in order to remind you of God, remind you of his word and of his mighty works? Have you erected warning memorials for the dead-end roads down which you've mistakenly turned? Perhaps you're here this morning and you're struggling to get back from just such a detour because for some reason you'd forgotten the last time. God's grace is always sufficient. His arms are always open to receive the ones for whom Christ died. Why don't you come back to where you know you ought to be? Why don't you give the reins of your life back to God? And in doing so, erect a memorial. Lost friend, God has today once more placed a memorial by the wayside to warn you of the danger of the road that you travel. Can I persuade you as we stand for our invitation hymn Come and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior today. Stand with me if you would. Let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in final prayer. The invitation is going to be open to all who would come. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've given us in your word. 
Thank you for the things that we remember. Thank you for the blessings that we enjoy in this country. And we thank you, Lord, for the history of your people Israel. Now, we know that not all of the parallels that we can draw are um, accurate parallels. And yet we know that the blessings that we've experienced here are because you've blessed us. You've multiplied your grace unto us. My prayer simply this morning is that we not forget that we remember you. Lord, I want to pray that you would draw sinners to yourself this morning, that you would draw your people to a place of fuller dedication, fuller surrender. I pray that everyone that is here today would erect memorials in their hearts and in their lives to you, to your word, your mighty works, that we might remember what a great, mighty God we serve. Bless our invitation, we pray in Jesus' name.